Today's podcast guest is Paige DiCarlo. Paige runs the Mindful Humanist page on Instagram. And she puts out a lot of great content. She's a very eloquent writer, poet. We talk about her cat. We talk about her deconversion story. We talk about some of our religious family and seeing ex-church members at the liquor store once we're out of church and how awkward that is. So without further ado, please enjoy today's episode with Paige DiCarlo. Paige DiCarlo, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Or as I nicknamed you, Page Against the Machine. <laughs> One of the better that's nicknames still, I've ever been given. That still pops up when you message me. I'm like, that was a pretty good nickname I gave. <laughs> and it's also, I don't think you meant to do this, but it's an ode to like my goth, uh, like just totally emo, angsty, like teenage face. So it's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. I used to have it's a Rage Against the Machine poster on my wall. It was the bright blue one that had the nuns holding guns on it. So I believe I, that. I love, That's so good. I love Rage. I had I was a big Rage fan, Corn, all those bands back in the day. Mm, good from Brian Ed Welch. Is that his name from Corn? Oh yeah, that's right. He's a Christian now. He's a Christian. I like to say Christian. It just is. <laughs> it resonates better with me for some reason. Christian. He he's a Christian now, but I think he still I think he still plays with Corn though. Like that seems I, weird. I know. I know I he's, like I think he right. quit for a while, and I think he went back, and yeah. I don't know. Like maybe they're just singing about. Where they're like, yeah. Maybe one he's trying to play over people, the rest of the band. Yeah, what if, if it's one of those things where the Christians are like, well, if I just you know, going out with them enough, then I can love on them, and who knows, but. So what you're saying is you haven't listened to the latest Corn album. I'm not, not saying to... that actually. Okay, so you're, I just uh, it doesn't sound like you have the full intel, but fair enough. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, I don't know for sure. I I I hear hear a Corn song every now and then, and I'm like, I gotta find that, and then I'll add it to the to the library. But I'm not like a an active know when their next album is coming out kind of Corn fan anymore. I'm just waiting for you to get your face tattooed and get like full in gear. <laughs> He's so good. Today's uh, podcast is brought to you by Sam Adams Cherry Wheat Beer. It's actually and not a sponsor. Gin and grapefruit. That sounds good, even though I don't know for sure if I've ever had gin. I was thinking about really? that when you told me that you might be drinking gin. I was like, I don't know if I've ever had it. Yeah, I mean, you're either a gin or a vodka person, or you're a sober individual. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not really an either-or situation, uh, but, but that's that's hilarious. Um, I am a vodka person, yes, and okay. uh, but I don't think I've ever had gin. I heard somebody say it's like pine needles or something, but I could be way off on that. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know if you can see any dog hair on my shirt. But I'm wearing a black shirt and I have a white dog, so it's a possibility. Comet, make an appearance. <laughs> Georgie might. We'll have to see if she hops up and gets really angsty and is like, pay attention to me. I but, saw your Instagram post about that. I was like, I hope your cat does make an appearance. <laughs> She's such a queen. We're pet lovers around here. 
we are. Yeah. She's so this such a gem. podcast is just, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was just going to say that like this podcast is just super chill. It's just yeah, hanging out with friends who happen to have one thing in common, which is used to be a Christian <laughs> or um, even some people might still be Christians that I have on here, but you know, we just talk yeah. about at least going through some form of deconstruction and trying to figure it all out. Finally getting to that point where you question things, you know, yeah, And the whole point of this podcast is just to be relatable to other people who might be going through the same shit, might have questions. Maybe they just stumble upon this and, and are like, who are these people? And then they just listen to our stories and get our point of view and realize that just because you don't believe in God, that doesn't mean you're a bad person or weird or you love Satan or anything like that. <laughs> you know, one. so yeah. Yeah, I think you were actually the first person that I ever uh, reached out to when I started. Uh, well, when I acknowledged last year, I think I'm an atheist. And then, um, you know, began connecting with people in the online community. I think you were one of the first people I talked to. And so it's that same thing of like, yeah, just that free space in that community and connecting with people and being like, oh, like, yeah, just building that safe space for people who wherever they are in that continuum of deconstruction. For sure. Um, you have kind of deconstructed your faith not too long ago, right? Do you kind of want to go through your whole, um, and I know it probably, people probably get tired of telling the same things over and over, but kind of your upbringing and how you went, like where you went to church, what religion you were and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I was raised Catholic, um, you know, in Catholic schools, um, even was put through like school of religion, um, which was like a Monday night, like Catholic, you know, Bible teaching, Bible study type thing. Um, I never claimed the title of Catholic for myself growing up, um, but I think I did at least cognitively believe in some sort of God because I was indoctrinated too. Um, so that was kind of like my upbringing, which is, it was like this nominal thing, kind of just a weekly go to church or go to school of religion, you know, be indoctrinated. It wasn't anything that infused like my everyday family life. Um, by the time I was 14 or 15, um, yeah, I, I was, you know, cultivating friendships, um, you know, moving into high school and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I stopped going to like the Catholic thing, school of religion, and and started going to this thing called K Life, which was a, a Christian branch of Canica Camps that meets in like um, cities across the U.S. And so I started going to K Life. And one evening when I was there, um, the topic was how where we go to school affects our faith. So I had a friend who was there that evening, and she went to Christian school. I was going to public school at the time, and. And so I remember talking to her, her name was Michelle, and I was like, what's it like to go to a Christian school? And, you know, of course, she was super enthused about it and had nothing but positive things to say. And so um, I, I feel like that night was a turning point to where I moved from not like from merely cognitively assenting to the idea of God to like 
that's where I like started to convert to Christianity and like, uh, I guess go full fledged into, you know, what it looked like for me to pursue Jesus. And, um, I ended up going to that school basically. And I became a Christian at that school. And, um, you know, that was when I was 15 years old. So, um, yeah, from that point on until 2018, uh, I was steeped <laughs> and just on fire for Jesus on fire, non-denominational <laughs> Christianity, pretty much the entire time. A lot of evangelical stuff. Um, a lot of home churches and that, that kind of, you know, discipleship type deal that branch of Christianity. So, yeah. What did you say that the name of the, when you first started the Catholic school thing, the cat or the Catholic, whatever, what was it called? School of the religion. Monday night thing, the school of religion. Yeah. I don't know. I never, do I'd never heard like, that. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it's this. I don't know why it just made me think of school of rock for some reason. With Jack Black. <laughs> that would have been so I don't know why. Better. <laughs> Jack Black walks in and is like, we're going to talk about the Virgin yeah. Mary. That would have been great. Hell yeah. Oh, I'd be God. a Catholic then. <laughs> I would do. God, that'd be great. No, I actually was at a, uh, like a toy and science store here in Kansas city. And like two weeks ago and my school of religion teacher was like shopping around and I, don't think she would know me at all anymore because I haven't seen her for like 15 or 20 years. I was like, You didn't go up to her and be like, School of Religion. I was like, Peggy, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I worship the Something's devil. Telling now. Me you didn't do that. <laughs> Something's <laughs> telling me you didn't really do that. No, I didn't. I actually, I had friends with one of the employees and I was like, Oh, that's Peggy Eckert. <laughs> and she's my former school of religion teacher. So that was funny because I haven't had a run in with any of that you know, that former affiliation for years, but God, that, that was always so weird. much better if Jack Black would have been, I know it was weird. It's weird when you get, though. when you get out of church and then you see those people out in public, I don't mean anything by those people, but <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I uh, like one time I went to Kroger and like, this was not long after I stopped going to church and I had a buggy or cart, whatever you want to call it, buggy full of beer. And I, like, I saw one of the ladies that I went to church with and she was like, Hey, like looking at me, and then she would look down at the at the beer, and then look back at me, and then look back down. I was like, I'm getting judged so hard right now. God, that checks out. Right. Yeah, be blessed, be blessed. And I was like, the little blessing I'm go get fucked you. up. <laughs> I'm about to go get fucked up on this booze. God, I get what you mean. I uh, so this place where I'm living right now has a coffee shop that we just opened up and the coffee shop name is vested coffee which the definition of vested i looked it up recently and i kind of forget but it basically means to be like i mean you have an interest in something or whatever yeah just like i mean it's like you'll have to look up the definition because it'll totally check out like why it's a christian coffee shop and so i'll go down there like kind of kind of subtle christian coffee shop names yeah, it's like we're vested in jesus and like that kind of thing and, <laughs> um and so i'll go there to do work or sometimes you know or sometimes just grab like espresso beans for my machine and if i linger there for too long like every single time without fail there's people you know just talking about being on fire for jesus and uh. what it looks like to love people in corona during coronavirus and it's like inescapable so i like run into that 
regularly now, which for a while I didn't, which was nice, but it's been an, oh, an yeah. interesting intersection. So my fa- my favorite local coffee shop here is Blood of the Lamb. It's Blood of the Lamb Coffee. Just I down don't the believe road. you. It's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> you shouldn't. I don't. Are you for real? No. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a place here in Kansas City also called Higher Grounds Coffee, which is affiliated with IHOP here in Kansas City. And it's just like, you know, corny Christian coffee names. But yeah, so I was basically a Christian from, you know, 2009 to 2020, really, because I, you know, only just one year ago was able to say out loud, I'm an atheist. Um, so it's been quite the journey, you know. So what what started, what was the first crack in the foundation? What What kind of started you? going down that road because you don't really just flip that switch to I don't believe anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think it would have been about two and a half years ago, October, 2018. Um, I had at that point had been really heavily steeped in like two um, non-denominational churches um, with some very, you know, questionable like tendencies. Um, high commitment communities, that kind of thing. And I don't know if it was just like the perfect intersection of my own healing work and therapy and um, even just coming into my full like adult like brain. <laughs> um, yeah. That intersecting with the mounting cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing um, in these high commitment communities and in these churches where it was like, you know, in 2018, the cognitive dissonance had mounted so much and there was just so much pressure of like, things were starting to like, I I was noticing that things didn't feel aligned anymore with what I was being told to believe and what was being taught to me in my own experience. And so um, I ended up, I mean, I think that was, it was mounting cognitive dissonance that got me to be like, I can't handle this anymore. Like I have to reckon with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Something isn't right. And from there, I think the actual like doctrinal pieces started to like, you know, show themselves where I was like, Oh, I don't believe this anymore. And this is questionable and this doesn't add up, you know, but it was just like, yeah, Georgie making her appearance in the background. Yeah. I see that. (laughs) Oh, cat up on the cat up on the cabinets. Assume the highest place in the house. I'm so glad that my dog can't do that. Holy crap. It's a, uh, I, she makes sure that we revere her. So, um, yeah, it was the mounting cognitive dissonance. And I, and just, I think honestly growing into my whole adult brain where I was just like, I have to pull back. This isn't like, I can't breathe. I can't live this way. So from there, stopped going to church, started examining things and then started kind of like, returning home to myself if if that makes sense i know that sounds extremely yeah. corny but <laughs> when you're told to disown yourself i think a lot of people will resonate with what we mean when we say that so you know yeah i don't know and so did you like start actively seeking out um hmm. people on social media and like other accounts about about religion or what like what made you stumble upon like my page and stuff, for example? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I think that's a good question because I think back in 2018 when things started to, you know, fragment and the, and the pieces started, you know, shifting, uh, I, 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 I originally went into that year of like, okay, I want to be the best believer I can be. Like, I want to be the most robust, strong, you know, doctrinally sound believer that I can be. And so I, I went into that year like, okay, I need to really hone in on this and reevaluate. And so I think it's, I should know this, but I've disconnected from scripture a good amount, but I think it's first Timothy 3.16 or something like that, or first Peter 3.16 that's like, always have a reason for the hope that you have and, and you know, um, you know, and give your reasons with gentleness and that kind of thing. Um, people will know the scripture I'm talking about, but I went into yeah. that year with that in mind where I examined things and that's actually when things began to fall apart. And so at that point, like late 2018, early 2019, I had stopped going to church and I was slowly disbanding from my former Christian connections. And so I knew that I needed to, you know, invest in some other sort of community. Um, and so that's where I went into the online sphere and um, began seeking out community in that way. And maybe because I was heavily steeped in Christian culture for 11 years, so I didn't have anybody in my yeah. physical real life that was that I was able to open up to about where I was. So yeah, it was the online community that allowed me that space to connect with people as I deconstructed and then ultimately deconverted. Um, which would have, that would have started late 2019, honestly. So there was about a year period where I was just kind of adrift on my own. Let me pause yeah. for a second. I definitely just spilled beer all over the desk. Yes, we can pause. God damn it. Today's episode is brought to you by my Patreon. That is patreon.com slash Jesus Unfollower. If you want to get these podcast episodes before they go public, or if you just want to support the YouTube channel and podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash Jesus Unfollower. Beer on the electronics. Fantastic. Sounds like a grunge band or something. Beer <laughs> on the electronics. <laughs> when I was younger, back in allusion to my UFAs, I wanted to have a band called the Heavy Hollow. My Christian band, the band I was in, was called A Pledge to Die. As in like dying to yourself. Dying, oh, yeah. dying to your own flesh for Christ. I don't think I knew so, that. So cringy. I don't think a I... A Pledge to Die. Knew that. The European uh, kind of music. Well, we started off as just like the youth band in church, but then we just started like doing our own stuff on the side, and it was kind of like it was kind of like screamo kind of bit kind of music, you know. Was it you screaming into the mic at the front? Were you the lead singer? No, I did bass slash backing vocals. Okay. Fair enough. Gosh. But you talking about that band reminded me, or your name reminded me of like the whole naming the band phase, trying to think of what we were going to call ourselves. And I remember one suggestion was Silent Scream. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's the most fucking emo band name of all time. The heavy hollow and Silent Scream. Headlining one night. (laughs) I mean, the name that we settled on wasn't that much better, but. 
I had no idea. Well, cheers to learning new things about your friends. So, okay. So, where were we? We were talking about finding community after. Yeah, finding community. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I didn't realize, I never really realized that Instagram had the kind of community feel. I was just, you know, it was just kind of a place where you look, see memes and shit or, uh, pictures from your friends and stuff but it's yeah. definitely turned into something else at least since i've been running this account and making content and stuff yeah I so when you, agree. You, you were making you were doing poetry and stuff in the beginning i remember or when i first met you anyway yeah that was actually a huge part of of uh, it was you know spring summer of 2019 and i had stopped going to church it had been six seven eight months since i'd been to church and that was actually a huge part of my like emotional healing and processing um, was beginning to write again after two years of not being able to write in journal, which is another tidbit for another time, but was I began to write poetry um, and to be able to tap into that like inner creativity that I hadn't been able to before. And so um, that paired with like, finding that online space, you said it so well, like it is really, there's an online space for community within Instagram that I didn't know existed until I ventured and found, you know, my community here. Um, that was so vitally important. I did start out sharing the poetry and then it morphed into something else. And it was kind of cool because I, I let it morph rather than be like, you know, super idealistic or mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, I think once I was able to reckon with, oh, I'm an atheist now, I wanted to have that be at the forefront and discuss that in a more tang tangible way. And for a while, the poetry was like a front for like, I couldn't come out and say I was an atheist, but I wrestled with those things and carried with them through yeah. the words and the prose and the poetry. And I think you could see some of that now going back and analyzing it. But um, it, I want to say like, you're so right about the community thing, because even as I've taken this, you know, four to six month break, like I realized like, yes, it's been so good and it's been really restorative and I need that, have needed that for this past season, but there is a part of me that's like aching and longing and missing that community that I had, like, yeah. which I feel like if you're not in, like Instagram can be either, or it could just be this really superfluous, like, you know, just yeah. comparative comparison based thing where it, it can really be a deep ball community so it's been cool That's to true. cultivate that you know it's just I, how you I, use I, it people people um social media is what you make of it mm -hmm. you know i i hear i have friends who will just trash social media and and say that it's like ruining us and stuff and i'm like it, it's really what you take out of it though because i think it's gary v or somebody who says that social media hasn't changed us it just exposed us i think that's true like you oh that's such a good one i know i love that and i think it's true it, it reveals like everybody before you didn't really see pe people's thoughts weren't quite as public and stuff and so it's not that we've changed it's that people you see more into other people's thoughts in their minds now that's but really it, i think you can it's whatever you take out of it i think it really is I really miss the, it's, it's really nice to begin kind of tapping my feet back in the water because I've missed the community that I had there. And um, 
it hasn't just purely been a restorative thing to be away. I've also felt the longing and the miss, like the piece of like, I miss that community. So it's nice to be connecting. I'm glad again. you brought so. up the break because that was, that was actually one thing I was wanting to, to talk about was sure. just uh, you kind of taking a step back from social media because mm -hmm. as much as I think it is what we get out of it, it can also be taxing. It can be a lot to weigh on your mind and, Especially if you're a content creator, it feels like you have this responsibility to make stuff, and mm -hmm. then you have to, to deal with comments and you know people's <laughs> reactions to your stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that. What made you kind of take that step back, and um, yeah, like what made you decide that you wanted to take that break? Yeah, um, summer of. 2020 summer of 2020 last year um i think it was, it was mid july end of july and uh my i had been so heavily practicing embodiment and um you know reckoning with the trauma that had mounted over the years and that kind of thing um and was doing that also in a in a public online forum space you know community as well and so I think for me, just where I was at in that point come summer of last year, it culminated to me almost feeling like, uh, almost like swept up in, in the trauma of it all at that point where I was just like, this is all I can see is like, you know, the trauma that I'm feeling and analyzing it and being caught up in it and sharing it and feeling it. And, and so, um, it became all consuming last summer. Yeah. Um, just at the juncture of where I was in my healing. And um, it wasn't that I was navigating anything poorly or wrongly or that anyone was doing anything, you know, incorrectly either. It just was, it was where I was at in my healing journey. So I think when I went through my first emotional flashback, it lasted like a week last July, which some of the people who watched this might remember that, but it was horrible. <laughs> just like the most terrifying week of my life and just so confusing and so I think after that I got spooked and was like I need to take a step back like this has been a really good community but I need to wean off a little bit and make sure that I can find like, safety again and um, just experience everyday regular life without having to to be in the throes of my trauma or sharing it so um, that makes sense does that make sense? Yeah. And so it has been a good break for multiple reasons, but yeah, I think it was. And like the other thing I'll say, I've mentioned this before, but I broke my laptop one day before coronavirus uh, lockdown. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like right after I had started my mindful humanist slash it, before it was mindful humanist, it was book account. So before I even started Mindful Humanist, I was stuck doing everything from my phone. So that was also a huge piece of it. It's like, I didn't have a planning app. I didn't have a laptop or anything like that. Like, yeah, that just, yeah, that just, I mean, it, that was compounding everything because I was like trying to create content and interact, but I was doing it on this small phone screen, although I was oh, feeling my trauma. No, I, and not I couldn't having, imagine. <laughs> not having like any organization and I was just like fuck like it just I was like I need a break so now I have a laptop now I have wi-fi bluetooth I have tools that I need which is really exciting so 
you're on your way yeah. back. So you're like slowly stepping back into posting things, right? Are you just kind of, you have a plan for that or are you just kind of taking your time with it? Are you just sharing stuff, your stories for right now or? Yeah, I think the original vision I had in mind was that I'd be like, Woo, returning in January, 2021, you know, but, um, yeah. but allowing myself to kind of feel out what I need and give myself space, uh, to do that. And I think the plan is to just kind of trickle slowly and, um, begin to show up a little bit more, interact with other people's content still. Um, and then yeah. really like behind the scenes, like this year with the tools and resources that I now have at my hands, like begin to plan that content tangibly and, just take the pressure off myself because I do put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, that's, a, that's a big one. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to come a lot. Out. Like, what is that? Yeah. You don't want to come back full force and burn out really quickly. Yeah. I think you that's know. probably like what would have happened if I was like, she's back. Like, you know, was, like, yeah, I'm back and boom, here's some content. <laughs> but I'm like 2020 was such a crazy year. And that's like the most cliche thing that anybody ever says lately. But, it was just so crazy and yeah. yeah, I couldn't imagine having the laptop break right before COVID, but on my end, it was a little bit different because I lost my job like a week before COVID. And then That's I right. went to some job interviews and things went well. And then it was, they were like, Oh, we're not hiring because of the pandemic. And so then it allowed me to have mm -hmm. a lot more time to, do this to create things and so like i try, I like hurled myself into i'm glad i have had this because i don't know like without it i don't know what i would be doing and so i'm, yeah. I'm glad that i'm it forced kind of thrust me back into making stuff and it, I, I don't know if i would have started the podcast that soon you know so i think it's going to be a good thing overall not the pandemic but just the whole the aftermath of of it for me personally yeah i was gonna having say, more, I think... more time it gives me more mental space too because if i would have still had my job and and like trying to do stuff after work and and especially if you have a really taxing job it can, that can be tough too yeah oh my gosh the Try... mental load is yeah not only creating remember... content but res responding to people's messages responding to other people like people's content comments on your stuff it can be a lot yeah and will you remind me did you have jesus sun follower when you were working a full-time job and then you it just yeah. the way you were in okay you did yeah i mean what do you ever feel engrossed by and, and not in a negative purely negative way by any means like i we've talked about it's a beautiful thing it's a great space but does it ever resonate with you as like you know do you ever feel engrossed by it or just like encompassed by it or engulfed by it is what i'm looking for you ever feel engulfed by it? Yeah. I, I try to keep myself, I try to like plan stuff out, a schedule as far as like making content and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and that helps me for sure. I've, I've really started doing that over the last uh, three or four months, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there are, there are days when I'm just like, and, and for a while there, I was on TikTok like making like four or five of those a day. So funny. And it just got to a point where it's like, yeah, you experience some of the burnout or like, I just yeah. don't really feel like doing this today. And there are days that I just don't feel like talking about religion. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, hey, Georgie. I, just <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, 
it gets a little it can get a little tiresome sometimes but i i think about the the bigger picture i try to yeah of like people need this kind of stuff people need this content mm-hmm. even if it's just a stupid meme that i make that might make somebody laugh if, but maybe they're having a shitty day and they just need to laugh at this because the way that the last year has gone i think people <laughs> need laughs sometimes it's just been oh. so heavy yeah, I feel like, um, you know, meme content creators, that kind of thing, or, you know, I think even probably you have endured some critique or ridicule from bozos, you know, or whatever. You were just like, you know, that's yeah. not tasteful or that's, you know, whatever. And it's like, a, like, comedic relief is a massively important part of, like, healing and, like, being able to just endure like especially 2020 and what we went through like i totally like i love that you're able to bring goofy humorous content and also provoke serious conversation um right i absolutely think that there is unparalleled value to you know being able to laugh and like let loose and and make a joke of something you know and i think you do it tastefully you know um so it's just i will always be a proponent of i think that's probably why i lose so many followers <laughs> because i'll get somebody who will follow me for like a more serious post i make and then the next thing i post is something about like sponge a spongebob meme and they're like <laughs> i didn't sign up for this you know <laughs> i don't i don't care like i'm like, like reckon with me you gotta take both parts <laughs> exactly um no, i that's been really important vitally important no matter what stage you are in life to be able to to let loose and laugh and so my favorite quote of all time is from Milton Berle, and it is, laughter is an instant vacation. It's my favorite quote. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I love, because just for a, even if it's just for a second, it's like you you forget about shit. You forget about yeah. the world. And I mean, I love it, that physiologically, quote. too, it, it totally right. like, allows your body to like be at ease, for even oh. if it is for 15 seconds while you're laughing or a split second while you're laughing it's like your body's yeah. about to be like okay i'll watch comedy movies all day long just to keep from crying <laughs> I'm I'm, dead I'm inside a- otherwise <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly oh my gosh yeah so I'm, I'm excited for 2021 and just kind of slowly returning and engaging with the community that we that we have and that we share and um you know i did a bit envision originally like maintaining like interaction with other people in the syndrome and I didn't so much do that because I got a kitty and then went hardcore making a kitty Instagram. <laughs> um but, oh, yeah. yeah. You turned into it's one of those great. people with the animal Instagram accounts. I mean I've always been a, a cat lady and then this was just like it's so in the same way. So if you want to, you know, harp on me for that, I will say it's been and I know you do it lovingly. Um but it has been such a, like a goofy, lighthearted reprieve. Is like, fucking taking editorial photos of my cat and like, interacting <laughs> with other cat moms and like, you know, it's just goofy and like looking at cute cat pics and. Let me ask you, you this: know. Do you ever like, talk and type like as as Georgie, like you're responding as your cat? Because that might be going a little too far. <laughs> uh. <Do you? laughs> oh. I mean, that's, that's why my full humanist is separate of 
whatever Georgie's handle is, which I won't put out at this moment in time, but um, I do a little bit of both. <laughs> it's so fun. It's such a good reprieve of just like shooting the I'm shit. Just and just, like, I'm just kidding with you anyway. No, I know. I know. I give myself a hard time. It's super goofy. I do dress up in bandanas, but I will never, and it's like a, it's like a goofy thing. I'm never going to dress her up in like a full on fledged outfit and be like, I mean, it's all in goofiness and good fun. Like, yeah. you know, so I have, it's been a good reprieve in the same way that like laughter and comedy is a good reprieve. It's been super fun to just like take a step back, be lighthearted, you know, hang out with my little fur friend and be in yeah. a light space on Instagram in the midst of the pandemic. So but I'm ready and I'm excited to just begin interacting with people and the community here of people who are in deconstruction and deconversion and questioning and as you say, the doubters, skeptics and what is it? What's up, non believers, doubters, skeptics, or what is it? Uh, you know you know the tagline, huh? Yeah, <laughs> what non- is it? Non believers, doubters and skeptics. That's right. That's What's up, non believers, doubters and skeptics? So I'm really thankful for that community and I'm excited to. So when you, when you left uh, church or when you stopped calling yourself a Christian, mm-hmm. what was the, was the, what was the fallout like with family or with friends? Was there any fallout? Did your, did you tell your parents right away or do they know now? Yeah. So I left church. I stopped going to church really in October of 2018. And I was still living with, three other Christian women who were like, okay, so where are you going to church this week? If you're not going to, you know, that kind of thing. And, but, you know, I lived with three Christian women at the time who were, you know, on me about where are you going to church this Sunday and, and me having to be like, look, I'm not, you know, that kind of thing. That became a really, from the time I left church and when I, I was living with them for about a year after I left church and it became such a toxic space where I was like, I've got to get out of here. So I ended up moving out and whatnot, but so there was just like a, a year long, like stress at home, of like, where are you going to church this week? And where are you at? And how's your heart? And that kind of thing. And it was just not a safe space to deconvert, deconstruct yeah. or deconvert, which is why I ultimately sought to move out. So there was that, which I was dealing with day in and day out. Um, and at least for like the first year, my parents, you know, weren't, curious weren't asking me about it kind of just you know i was doing my own thing um there was a massive fallout with you know my closest former closest friend at that time um you know because shortly after i left church i also left an abusive relationship and got pegged as the you know the crazy one which yeah whatever so there was a lot of fallout with friends around that same time because of that relationship. And then also because I was deconverting. So it was a really lonely interim in a space between, you know, fall of 2018 to late 2019, where I was just kind of, like I said, adrift and on my own and, and like, you know, I yeah. didn't have community and was like, you know, kind of in between, like I'm not fully deconverted, but I'm also not going to church and, I don't have a community of people who are that weird limbo stage. Yes. Limbo. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Good old limbo. That's a, it's like tugs at you. Like it's like your heart's playing tug of war and your mind and you're just at war with yourself. It was, <laughs> yeah, thing. it was really intense. It was like, 
Because I, I mean, I think when I set out, you know, that year, like early mid 2018, before I stepped away from church, was like, I hope this questioning leads me back to Jesus, you know, and it didn't ultimately, which I'm okay with now, and I've reckoned with, but, um, but it was like a, like there was no, no getting around it. Like I had to reckon with and face the cognitive yeah. dissonance, and so, um, and then it's it's also it's such a weird time to to deconvert in the midst of of what we went through everyone went through last year you know of like because there was like an uprising of of you know evangelical like online evangelical you know prophets and people who are like it's the end times and you know repent now and so it's like fuck i'm just trying to like wrap my mind around yeah you know this worldview that's dismantling itself in front of me and here i'm being harassed with that's, these messages that's like, super fun you're you're finally starting to like yeah and you're starting to be like okay i'm i'm okay with this and then you got people preaching hellfire and brimstone around you and talking about how christ is already mounting the white horse it is an experience like no other i mean it was it, that it was so volatile and that had to have contributed to what happened last summer when I was just like, you know, yeah, just like all, I mean, just in, encompassed and engrossed by. Yeah. Like I've heard of a few people deconstructing during the pandemic. I've heard of, I've heard some people saying like deconstructing during the pandemic. I'm like, man, it's gotta be just tough. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, I'm sure it brought some, you know, unforeseen benefits and that kind of thing, but it is, I, I would, wouldn't have, chosen had time to deconvert um it also made it a little bit easier for some people and i, I didn't mean mm -hmm. to you again but like no, go ahead. make it easier for some people seeing how the church especially like the white evangelical church acted last year around several issues like mm -hmm. the george floyd stuff point. and and just the all the election stuff and that might have helped kind of nudge people away from away from their beliefs yeah and i will say i mean because that might be one of the benefits like we were on in lockdown and you know expected to be low-key and so i did get to really invest in jumpstarting that process while surrounding yeah. myself with community where i might not have been able to do that if life was you know bustling about as normal so um it was a very <laughs> convoluted process i mean and we're still in the middle of coronavirus and the lockdown but i'm just further yeah. along now so it doesn't feel as you know doesn't bring as much trepidation now as it did at first but i think for anyone who is deconverting and whatnot it's been quite a ride quite an experience yeah i'm sure i'm glad that you brought up uh the judgment day thing in the end times because <laughs> yeah. just today I, i've seen two posts on facebook First one says, I guarantee you judgment day won't be rigged. Oh my god. Implying that the election was rigged. That was posted huh. by a family member family member. I got that, but maybe other people didn't who were watching. Oh my that was supposed to be a family member. A family member, yep. And then oh, they, wow, I don't think I would know that. Okay. The other one, on judgment day, you'll wish you had been biblically biblically correct, not politically correct. And it has like 10 likes, and everybody's like, Amen, brother. Oh my god! I honestly, 
I think if it, if it weren't for my Facebook page that I run, I might not be over there anymore. It's pretty. It's a pretty shitty place. It's a, de- <laughs> a desolate wasteland of decent people. Like there's not <laughs> many left. Oh my god, a desolate wasteland of people. That's great. Yeah, I I deleted my Facebook five years ago, and I'm glad I did. Five years. Wow. Yeah. It was, I, my, I never could pull that trigger. I can't pull that trigger. It was five years ago. It took me two hours of undivided attention searching the recesses of the internet to figure out not just how to deactivate my Facebook, but how to entirely delete it. And I was livid. Like it took every ounce of my energy and focus for two hours scouring the internet. Like I don't even think about what it would be like nowadays. I've heard people say that, that they tried to delete their account and it would only let them deactivate and they couldn't figure it out. And so I figured it it out, but it took me a long time and I do not remember back in. They do. It's like you can deactivate your account for 14 days and then they know you're going to say reactivate, you know, so. But yeah, it is a desolate wasteland in some capacities, <laughs> but <laughs> at least you I have the. Quite, go ahead. I question my life decisions every time I go over there, but <laughs> luckily, at least you can mute some people and you can oh. join groups. So yes, <clears> and that it's a Facebook bit. marketplace which I am going to get on this week and put some, I didn't really know about it. So there, there are some benefits still to Facebook. I guess you wouldn't know since you've been gone five years. I was going to say, I, I wonder know. what, and Snapchat, I deleted Snapchat like six years ago. So I'm like, I don't know like it's, any of the features. It's still the exact same. Snapchat is, is basically the exact same. Yeah. So Instagram has been like the only social media and then, you know, dipping into in and out of Twitter, which is super fun. Cause I'm like, Okay, I feel like you on Twitter. We're like half the time I'm serious, and then half the time I'm like, you know, tweeting off like goofy one-liners, yeah. and people like Twitter has more like, of a. Yeah, Twitter's kind of a better place for that probably than Instagram. Like, oh, okay. I'll clog up my Instagram feed with shit that people don't want to see, but on Twitter, like you scroll one time and you're past it. Like it doesn't really come back up, and you can tweet a hundred times a day, and nobody really cares. Where it, so it's just kind of like. You can do your thought dumps or jokes or whatever over there. I love Twitter too. Oh my gosh. Do you remember when I did mind dumps on my poetry account? Oh, oh yeah. That was, I, I forgot, forgot about that. that. That was fun. That was like Daily, when I was just bring like. Back, hashtag bring back dump. the mind dumps. Daily mind dump. Maybe I will. I want to figure out how to like, um, uh, what's the word? Like, I guess. I, I want to be able to like um, get back into mindful humanists in a way that's like fresh and new and like, you know, more aligned with like who I feel like I am now rather than like interacting in the same way that I did last year. If that makes any sense, not because I did anything yeah, wrong last year. It's just, um, so yeah, I'll be curious to see what comes about there. But did mind those were so fun. I was literally like, I would be at work <laughs> and I'd be like, I've been with children for like, five hours straight they're napping now yeah. and i need to fucking interact with some adults so i'm gonna put this out there and whoever wants to dm me can dm me and so it was a fun little thing hashtag bring back the daily mind dump can we bring back the dump <laughs> bring back the dump uh well wow. that's one thing Glad i've, I I've admired about you on instagram is <laughs> that you kind of you're open to changing you don't pigeonhole yourself and you know, that's that's kind of sometimes I feel like maybe I've pigeonholed myself a little bit, but I like how your stuff is always kind of evolving and it kind of 
you know, not necessarily that you're showing your growth or whatever, but that you're open to just taking it a different direction if you feel like you need to, or the other people might need it, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that is like an incredibly vulnerable, vulnerable process of like fucking letting myself be seen um, in process, which, you know, went both ways. I feel like it did lead to, to vulnerability hangover, I think is the term. Um, but it has been really empowering too of like, okay, I'm like, I need to allow myself to evolve and change as this, as I, I need to allow the way that I show up to evolve and change as I evolve and change and grow. Um, yeah. So that has been really vital and essential. I do want to be able to show up to mindful humanists in the community that we have here um, this year in a more, I, I don't think structured way is the right term, but in a, um, like I don't want to change and reroute a bunch this year. I think it was really great last year, but yeah, I want to walk that line of like, this is how I'm showing up and I know what I'm doing and I can pivot where needed, but I'm not like vision recast because it's like the third quarter of 2021 and you know, that kind of thing. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it was incredibly vulnerable. I think it was valuable, but it was incredibly vulnerable to be like, I'm writing poetry. Okay, now I'm talking about like, I'm actually like out of the closet and atheist and, and now I'm like in the throes of trauma and now I'm taking a break and like, so, but I think it yeah. was probably empowering to some people. So thank you. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I put a, uh, I put a question box on my Instagram asking if anybody had any questions for you. And this is one of the questions I got, which I thought was a pretty good one. Uh, and how do we have autonomy without feeling the need to consult a God before every decision? Yeah. I mean, I, th I totally thank you for this question. Whoever submitted it because, um, I think it's really valuable. I totally resonate with like that sense and that compulsion of like outsourcing and like being like, you know, checking like, Oh, is this okay for me to, to think this way or to feel this way or to be inclined towards this decision and having to dismantle that as I um, deconverted. Um, so how do we have autonomy without feeling the need to consult a God before every decision? And such a good question. I feel like that belies like an inherent distrust um, in ourselves that we've been ingrained and indoctrinated to have. Um, and, and so therefore we, within that like inherent distrust that we have of ourselves, we have that because we're led to believe that, you know, without Jesus, if we're talking about Christianity and different sects of Christianity, we're led to believe that without Jesus, we are sinful and in need of a savior and in need of saving and outsourcing our sense of goodness. And I know that's at least how it resonated with me. So that's why I had that compulsion to outsource every decision is because it's like, well, like I'm sinful, I'm wrong. Like I can't trust myself, you know? And so that's where that compulsion came from. So how do we gain that sense of autonomy without feeling like we need to consult God? I mean, that's certainly a, a journey and a process, but I think, you know, practicing and, um, cultivating a sense of of trust, repairing trust with ourselves. And whether that looks like reviewing instances where we've made decisions that were sound, you know, in the past, based off our own judgment, or whether that looks like we've never done that before. And so we have to start practicing that. I think we can start like 
practicing autonomy and, and get away from the compulsion to need to outsource that, our decisions by slowly, like, and surely, you know, maybe it starts with really small decisions, but yeah, just going with our gut, trusting ourselves, and just letting the data play out for itself. And I think what's been really empowering is like, in that process of, of figuring out that I'm not a shit bag and that I don't need to outsource every decision, like what's been really empowering is like coming upon the knowledge that like, I am a really healthy, compassionate, robust individual and of myself. And, and I've learned that through those small decisions, making those small decisions and seeing the, the fruit of those decisions, which that sounds like Christian rhetoric, but it's true. Like seeing what, what fruit comes from my decisions that were made intrinsically by trusting myself. So it's just like slowly putting those things into practice, letting, yeah, sitting with ourselves, figuring out what we think, what we believe, what we want, going with it, let the data play out, and then build data over time that helps you fully and then, in, like, and in a holistic sense, realize, like, oh, I can trust myself. And so then. Then over time, I feel like that compulsion to need to outsource and to get out external validation will dwindle. I think you'll be able to really trust yourself more little by little. Does that make any sense? That was so... Well said. Yeah. Oh, really? I feel like it was like windy and twisty. When you realize that your values don't come from an external source, I think that kind of helps, you know, once you realize that. Yeah your values are your own, your morals are your own. They don't come from an outside source and it helps. And like you said, it's like the small, starting with the small, the small decisions and realizing that you're completely capable of making these decisions on your own. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even I'll admit I've been an atheist for 10 years and there are times when like those thoughts will flutter into your mind about like even prayer and stuff like that. And it's, I think that the indoctrination just runs so deep you were just raised up to believe something in, in a culture where most people do, you know, pray and you always have that, like things just linger in the back of your mind. Like that, yeah. you know, what could it hurt to throw up a prayer about this or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. it, if I'm being honest, I mean, that stuff still enters my mind from time to time. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. In November with election week, that happened to me where I was just like, if there's a God, like you've got to make Biden win. Or I was just like, like <laughs> the body, like our the collective trauma that we're experiencing, if there's any sort of God, like you got to, like Trump cannot continue. And of course I'm not like, okay, so I'm converted because Biden won by any yeah, means. But that's important. Prayer, prayer so. Yeah, right. Um, oh, what did you say? I, so I think you said it so well and so concisely of like, when you realize that like your values come from yourself and you don't need like, you don't need to look externally to like, you know, pull a value system and that kind of thing. Like that's what I experienced where like when I stopped believing in God and I would interact, you know, with it, when I would engage in interpersonal relationships and that kind of thing, like, Oh, like I still care about these people without Jesus telling me to care about these people. And like, you know, yeah. and I, and I actually have like a greater capacity to care more about other people and to, not be like so uh you're not thinking about their soul and you're not thinking about their like their walk with christ and what you know the path that they're on and their 
you know, if they're saved or not. And do I need to, you know, speak about God to this person? Do I need to witness mm-hmm. to them? It's like a gen- just a genuine, authentic, you just care about the person. It's There's no like other motives going on in your mind where you're like, for me, at least back in the Christian days, I would be like, all right, I need to talk to them about this. And like my secular friends, I would be like, I need to, you know, tell them about God. The church is hammering that in your head that you need to be witnessing to your friends and stuff. And, but once you get out of that, it's like, no, it's just about friendships and relationships. You don't have that feeling of being superior to them too. And not that it was ever like a, a conscious thing that would be in your mind, but when you're, when you feel like it's your job to tell other people you should live this way, then obviously you feel like your, your way is right and your path is the right one. And you feel to a degree superior to them. Like you have the truth and they don't. And there's this weird, it creates this weird dynamic. It really does. And it's so interesting to be on the other side, honestly, Mm -hmm. of just like having deconverted and, and just, it's just really, it's, it's rich and it's powerful to have been in both, you know, had my feet fully in both waters of, of feeling like I have the truth and other people don't, it's on me to share it versus we have, you know, we have epistemology and we have some basis of how we know what we know, but there's mm-hmm. mystery and we don't need to have like a God of the gaps. Like we can let yeah certain things remain as they are. And that's like one of the other things too is like, there is. I've met so many atheists, yourself included, who aren't just like, no, God exists whatsoever. And there's, you know, only the tangible, physical, real world is true. Like there are some atheists like that, but like there are plenty of atheists who acknowledge space for mystery and unknown. And and that's okay. Like, I think you've even said it before. Like, it's okay to say, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's great. There's this, there's a, the problems come in, in my mind, I think the problems come in when you, we feel like we have to have all the answers right now. Mm-hmm. That's, that creates issues. That's what creates the really God is. of the gaps and stuff is, is like, well, we, there, we can't not know. We have to have the answers. We have to know how, how the universe started. We have to know. We really don't. We might get mm-hmm. there eventually, but that doesn't mean that we have to know right now. And some people are just, point blank not okay with with that not okay with not knowing they have to be assured that there's something else that that we have the answers yeah and i understand that like that can come from rich and complex you know backgrounds of of trauma or whatever it is but it does become problematic when it's when we can't leave space for the reality of what it is to be human which is we're not going to know everything and we're evolving and we're changing and we're learning and we're adapting. It's yeah. I think that people have a misconception <laughs> about what the word atheist means. Yeah. Um, it, it just carries these, all these connotations with it of people who just think that it means that somebody who hates God or somebody who, you know, yeah just says there is no God, it's not possible and stuff, but it's just not. So that's why when I told my parents, I didn't believe in God, I didn't use that word. I didn't use the word atheist. I just said that. Mm-hmm. I think I might've okay. actually said agnostic, but I, I just said, I don't believe, I think because you just, 
it's like you kind of weigh it out is it even worth saying i'm an atheist because then it's like oh he's a what i know i knew he didn't believe in god yeah, you know, yeah. the same thing it's the same thing which is yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah that's interesting i get what you're saying it's like there's a, a carried wit to saying atheist because there's so much misconception and it's uh, i fully like resonate with that of the misconceptions and just you know, and I even had misconceptions about it. I think when you and I started talking, I was like, I was letting you know where I was at in the process. And I was like, I would say I'm like agnostic now or whatever. And then we talked about the dichotomy between atheist and agnostic and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some beautiful conceptions of the divine, which I've said this before. There are some great conceptions of the divine. Even the Christian God, you know, the universal reconciliation and the, and the God of Richard Rohr, like don't seem inherently dangerous to me, but I can't holistically assent or I, you know, I can't holistically yeah. come on saying I believe in that. Like I can emotionally feel like that's beautiful. I can spiritually appreciate that, but cognitively that piece is missing and that's yeah. important to me. Cognition, cognition isn't everything. Yeah. yeah. Cognition isn't everything, but it's an important factor. And so that's ultimately why I'm an atheist. The thought of a higher power, not necessarily the Christian God, but a higher power that mm-hmm. would might be all loving or a deist God that just created everything and doesn't really have control over what happens after or the universe is God and we're all connected. Like all That stuff is all, to me, all sounds cool, but again it's like i'm not gonna believe it just because it sounds like a nice idea yeah totally and there's no harm in it i think the people who do believe that it's fine some people have the need feel the need i think to to believe in a higher power Mm -hmm. that's that's fine too and i'm not saying that there's not a higher power but it's just like i don't really see the point of believing it without a reason yeah, like I don't want to. That's partly why, for me, in my experience, cognitive dissonance set in is because I was ignoring that piece for my. For, this is my experience, but the, I was ignoring the cognitive piece of like this isn't adding up, and so and that's yeah. why the cognitive dissonance set in. So for me, it is important that that if I'm gonna believe in a higher power, that cognitive piece needs to be there too, to to a good degree. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's. I think I'm. I'm slowly able to uh interact with and engage with people who believe in god without being like you know threatened by it or whatever and skepticism is healthy you know and not even just about god just about things and i i just want to i want to apply mm-hmm. more skepticism to my life period like i don't just want to go mm-hmm. go along ho-hum and just believe things i want to have reasons why i believe the things that i do and so I think that being a skeptic is one of the best things that you can be just to, to question things. Yeah. yeah. That one, the unexamined life is not worth living. I can't remember if Socrates or Plato or whoever, but it's funny because even now as I say that, like it all circles back around of like, okay, like first Peter 3, 16, like I want to know why I believe what I believe. So I'm going to go down that route. And then I went down that route. And for me, it led to the conversion, which has been the best thing that has ever happened to me personally yeah. like and and so it's like i still go through that where like i'm still on that train of like i'm gonna know why i believe what i i'm gonna know what i believe and i'm gonna know why i believe it 
like that is still the founding principle of of where mm -hmm. I am now. Like that hasn't changed. That's super important to me. So, yeah. And for some people, that'll for some that does, that doesn't always land in atheism either, or in not right. being a non-believer. You know, for some people, that lands them in being a Christian still, maybe mm -hmm. a more progressive one or something. But or you you know just believing in a God period, not necessarily the Christian God, whatever, sure. but it's, so it does, it's not always the same in landing spot for, for questioning things, but it's good to at least have right. that reason. Like you said, have, having the reason to believe like why you believe what you do. Super important. Totally. And that's super important. And I think you're totally right. And I'm still wrapping my mind around that of like, how did you land somewhere else? But I mean, like, obviously I understand that people come from different backgrounds and Mm -hmm. And it's totally valid and just being willing to evolve and, and question and, and examine things. I think it's like the yeah. guiding principle for me. Like some people, some people weigh faith differently, you know, maybe they, they don't land where we do mm -hmm. because they have faith and it re can't really be necessarily explained or they've had their own personal experiences that can't necessarily relate to us that we wouldn't understand on the stuff that they've gone through. And maybe that's why they end up there in that spot where it's like, well, I believe in God because I've been through this or, and stuff like that. And so that's, to me, that's fine. As long as you're not just mindlessly believing things, that's, that's where you run yeah. into issues. Like electric rod. Well, we all know how I feel about January 20th. So. <laughs> oh God. It'll, yeah. Is that your actual birthday? Your actual, your birthday is on inauguration day. My actual birthday is on inauguration day. So. We'll see. I've like never made a big deal of birthdays and been like, you know, needed them to be this big thing, but it will be hard to reckon with if January 20th becomes a hallmark of national catastrophe. You need to create so. a diversion or something. It's my birthday. Look over here, guys. While they're swearing in the new president, <laughs> did some sort of diversion. Like, you, you, then you'd be I a wish. hero. I would, do, I would do anything <laughs> to divert whatever. Trump has planned for this last week in office, but yeah, I'm just hoping that's it. Yeah. That's where another one of the compulsions comes in. Where I'm like, I've literally like in my mind, you know, those Christian compulsions where I'm like, Lord, like, if, if you know, can you please like dissuade whatever is planned for yeah. January just 20th? Get us you know? through my birthday. Please just get us through my birthday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which I'm sure some people will come on here and be like, see, you do believe in God. You're praying, but you know, whatever. You really do believe that. Yeah, you really do believe you're just, you know, bitter and hurt. Um, so we'll see how this next oh, week yeah, goes. That's a good um, one. What is they all people will say that like the church hurt you and that's why you're not mm -hmm. a Christian anymore. I'm like, I never I didn't have bad I had a couple weird church experiences, sure. but I never had any bad ones like that was like fuck yeah. this, I'm out. Like mine it wasn't like that at all. I loved church. I think that's an, so I think it's important to just, have people who share. Yeah. They just assume things about me. Bitch, you don't know me. Yeah, bitch. No, I think that's it's cool. It's important to have people who identify with having deconverted or who would consider themselves an atheist, former Christians who can say, I, I didn't leave because of, you know, trauma or hurt or something. Yeah. And I did love church. And so I'm not 
bitter or didn't leave because of, you know, abuse or, you know, which are valid reasons to leave, but... It wasn't the people who drove me away. You know, that's a, a common yeah. one. It's like, well, it's about God. It's not about the people. I'm like, I know. I know. It's it's not. I just don't yeah, have I'm any very aware. It. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You think I'm going to risk my soul yeah. because I didn't like those people? No. It's it's not about that. I need more credit. I remember I had a, so you asked earlier if my parents know and what the fallout has been and my mom has been pretty cool about, you know, when I finally came out to atheist back in like August or September, maybe I can't remember. Um, or maybe it was even like April last spring, but he was really cool about it. My dad was very cool about it for the first couple of trickle of conversations where he was like, do you still read the Bible anymore? And I was like, no. And then, you know, there was a couple of conversations. Well, it culminated in being like, you know, just, like, I can't believe you don't believe and you're crazy and, and, you know, look, look in front of you if you don't believe and, you know, whatever. And just like, <laughs> like, I was like, can you give me credit for like having asked the hard questions and asking all the right. questions that I've been afraid to ask and like wrestling with those things and doing the damn hard work. And like, I was so impassioned and was just like, don't sit here and tell me that I just left because of, you know, whatever. Like, I, this is like yeah. harrowing work. It is atheism truly is the best thing that has ever happened to me and the journey of getting here has been the most harrowing thing i've ever been through as well so like this wasn't fun for me to go through i'm so glad that i'm at where i'm at now for me personally but like give me the credit of like asking hard questions and examining these things and it's been harrowing it's been great but it's been harrowing so like yeah it's like I've asked i think in the, sometimes when you have those questions those first couple conversations with people especially family they feel like there's this sense of like well he'll come back or she'll come back you know mm -hmm. they don't really mean that right now or they don't really believe that that it's, it's almost like they can't really compute that you're being serious and that you've thought it through that maybe it's just a something you're going through right now and that's why you don't believe yeah seriously i mean it's, it's like i'm actually the only my mom's probably a Christian believer, I would say. Um, but I, I was like the only Christian in my family, like practicing, like engrossed in a Christian in my family. Um, so it's just been funny yeah. having deconverted because now I'm like the high highlight, like folk, focal point of my parents between us and my siblings because none of my other Christians, or my, none of my other siblings have been Christians. Yeah. And so it's not like they then deconverted. Well, I deconverted. So now my parents are like, oh my God, you're atheist. And I'm like, do you realize that like my <laughs> other three siblings are probably also atheists? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> you know? And so it's just like, it's quite. They just, didn't, they just didn't get to see the whole journey yeah. of you being Christian. And then, like, they didn't see that with them. So it's a peculiar thing. But I, my relationship with my parents is fine. And they ultimately respect my journey. And I've been able to recognize what they think about it and you know they reckon with me so i'm thankful for that you know it could be a lot worse um so yeah i think i'm happy cool. with where it's where i'm at right now awesome well i won't keep you too much longer um follow page at mindful humanist 
is there anything else uh, that you want to plug or like anything else that you're involved with or working on or that you want people to check out? Um, if I'm my cat page, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, my cat Instagram. <laughs> you could probably can find it really easily. <laughs> go follow but, her cat. Uh, yeah, that's been a good retrieve. Yeah, go follow Georgie. Um, she's <laughs> out over here. No, I think I'm just excited to show up into the space and to interact genuinely with, with your content and to just kind of slowly, you know, get back into sharing. And I want to show up and I'm excited for whatever this year has. And, um, so, you're yeah, a gifted writer. And you're very, for this. Or, thank you. Thank you're you. very good at getting your I'm thoughts across. For- yeah, it helps a lot of people. <laughs>